0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. He faces the floor. They'll let Cheatham throw it in over the defense to Burke. Burke to the goal.
1: Docks it, got it. Under Dock, and one. An Exclamation point. Pump the brakes. The Huskers are up 72-66. to 66. What a great play on the inbounds pass, 94
2: feet away. Put that dude on a poster.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Bit of a historic night here on Sports Alley tonight. You have to go back to November the 8th. Think back. November the 8th. That's a long time ago. That's the last time Ben McLaughlin actually appeared on a Friday night Sports Alley. Is it? How about that? November the 8th, two months ago, since you've been a part of a Friday night sports highlight show. Man. Now we have had some preemptions, including last Friday. Rutgers was in town to play the Huskers. It's a long time. You've just been avoiding these Fridays. You've been having all these three-day weekends. Well, I'm hoping to miss next Friday. Right? That's what I you told me that today. I'm like, okay, we got him for one Friday night. Back out he goes. Uh, we hope people are being safe. If you're out around the Lincoln, Omaha areas, it's been some snow blowing around. Be careful if you're out there driving around. The rest of the state, not bad. I know some of the the western part of the state got some snow earlier today. Be careful. We want you to be part of our fan club here for quite a while. Welcome to the program here tonight. We do have a full three hours lined up for you. We did not have a show last Friday night because of Husker hoops. They'll be in action tomorrow at Northwestern, playing the Wildcats at 3:30 tomorrow. We will talk and hear from Fred Hoiberg coming up on hour number two. He met with the media earlier today before they boarded their flight to get to the Windy City, which is getting some of this weather now and is going to get a lot of it tomorrow. In fact, I don't know if that team gets home tomorrow night. It can be tough getting out of Chicago after that game tomorrow. But the head coach met with the media today. We'll hear some of his thoughts about playing the Cats of Northwestern tomorrow. Uh, Sam McEwen, Omaha World Herald. It's been a while couple of months. It's been even longer than November the 8th for Sam McEwen to be a part of sports hunting. We'll have him on. He's from the Omaha World Herald. We'll talk Husker football. Even uh, may dabble with some Husker women's basketball, which he covers for the Omaha World Herald. We'll have Sam on coming up in just a couple of minutes. We'll also hear from Ian Rappaport. Boy, what a great weekend for him. Getting ready for the second weekend of the National Football League playoffs. They may have to go wild, Ben, to beat Last weekend, you had those two overtime games. Those were tremendous football games. But you look at some of these matchups; they're kind of they're kind of
3: exciting for the next two days. Yeah, I'm not very excited for these games. If last week is any indication of what we're about to see this weekend, I think we're in for a treat. Um, and obviously, now with the uh, with the teams that earn buys, you know, it's the, those teams that earn those first and second seeds um you know supposed to be the best teams so looking forward to see baltimore play looking forward to see san francisco back in action i think the game with seattle and green bay is going to be great um but obviously most looking forward to the to the chiefs play on sunday afternoon
0: how much does it diminish for
3: you that there's no tom brady and there's no drew Brees? zero Not at all, because I get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's still enough talent at that spot. It's not like we're watching. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's left, and Kirk Cousins doesn't get a lot of notoriety. but Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, he's a new face to the scene. But, yeah, I mean, doesn't really matter to me at all that those guys aren't a part of it.
0: Because the, the stars usually drive television ratings, and there's no bigger stars in the game than Brady and Breeze. And they're both out. But you're right. I mean, Lamar Jackson's the MVP.
3: Russell Wilson might be might be second in the vote. I mean, I, I feel confident in saying that Brady and Breeze are far behind Mahomes and Jackson right now. Far behind. So in terms of who's better he, right now, I mean, even, Breeze had a pretty good year. Yeah, but he. he I mean. Lamar Jackson blew his numbers out of the water. No, he did, and yep. and Mahomes still missed a game and had you know just as good of a year. So Breeze broke a bunch of records this year because of what he's done in the longevity of his career. But I mean, I'm taking both of those guys, Mahomes and Jackson, over Breeze right now, and it's not really that close. The guy in Houston's not bad either. No, We're he's gonna... he's been he's been up and down and consistent, right? As Houston has as, as an entire team, but. I mean, you—he's a winner. Nothing proves that more than the play that he made in overtime to get them the the win over Buffalo in field goal range. But this playoff, these playoffs don't lack star power at all, in my opinion. Well, last weekend was great. Two of the four games go overtime. Will
0: we see a repeat? Ian will will give us the latest on the breakouts coming up on hour number two, hour three. Ben will have the weekend preview. He'll set all the game times for you for college basketball and obviously. For the playoffs, two of the NFL playoff games tomorrow, two more on Sunday, including the game in Kansas City. Kansas City getting pounded right now with we had rain earlier today, freezing rain now. They're getting snow tomorrow. It could be a little messy at Arrowhead for that matchup at two o'clock on Sunday for them and the Houston Texans. So, uh, Bamble game will set the weekend preview. We're going to also hear from our good friend, our old pal Jeff Colhane, the former host of this show the guy who was extremely hard on you when you first started at the network. He and Lane both uh, didn't treat me with kid gloves. They roughed you up. Welcome to the now, radio biz. Have you been as hard on the two guys in the back tonight as they were on you? Um,
3: Tim and Austin. I think that's a tonight. tricky question because cumulatively the answer is yes, but there's, there's a small army back there. Back in the day it was just me. Yeah, that's I true. mean, they, they take turns taking blows. Whereas me, I mean, I was, I was the heavyweight fight every night. so You're the main event. I mean, I might, I might bury those dudes in a night, but they got 48 hours to shake it off before they come back. <laughs> well, Jeff's going to join us. Jeff now is the voice of
0: the North Dakota State Bison. They play for yet another FCS championship tomorrow down in Frisco, Texas, a place that you and I have been to a couple of different times covering Husker baseball. That's where the FCS championship game, it's James Madison, North Dakota State. These have been the one and two teams in the country all season long. At the FCS level, it should be a tremendous gain tomorrow. Jeff's going to join us from Frisco coming up in hour number three. We'll have our week in review and our winners and losers of the week as well coming up in hour number three. Uh, Tim mentioned it in the ticker, and you are you, you, you're hard on Tim, but he comes right back at you most of the time. But uh, Tim mentioned the ticker, Charlie Easley put on scholarship today. By Fred Hoiberg, the spring semester at UNL begins on Monday. Charlie found out today, was told by the head coach, we're putting you on scholarship. Nebraska had a vacant scholarship when Samari Curtis left at the end of the first semester. Charlie Easley, who we've seen get his minutes going up the last few weeks,
3: put on scholarship. Your thoughts about that? Yeah. I can't, I, I, not surprised that it happened. A little surprised how early it happened. Um, Charlie's a good player. I mean, he he led Pius to a state championship last year. Um, He's been around the game a long time, loves being a Husker. And I think for me, the first time that that I realized that this kid could play was in Italy. You know, he led the team in scoring in that last game over there, and it wasn't a coincidence. I mean, I think that game he might have hit five threes, four or five threes, and was all over the place defensively, and it was clear you were going to get max effort from him every single time he was out there a uh, little surprised at maybe the amount of minutes that he's playing already in his young career. But I think this just shows today, you know, him earning a scholarship, how much faith and trust the coaches have in him and what type of plans they have for him in the team's future. So I think for him, it's a lot of validation um, and appreciation for the work that he's done And, you know, he can look himself in the mirror and say, you know, what I'm doing every day is working. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be a big part of this team. And, you know, that's certainly been the case so far. If he keeps playing this well, you know, his minutes are just going to continue to grow. I think he had I think he played nine minutes against Purdue in a big effort. And I think he almost doubled that with a career high 16 minutes against Iowa. So, you know, if he can continue to put that effort in day in and day out and, you know, bring something to the table to where it's going to help this team he's going to get out there and, and the coach is rewarded with them that
0: now the, the he's been put on scholarship for this semester I don't know if that's going to be a year after year thing uh, we've seen this in football like guys like Wyatt Mazur who've been put on one year but then aren't guaranteed to keep it the next Brian Reimers in football that also comes to mind of a young man who gets put on scholarship but it's not guaranteed on This could just be that it's sitting there, it's available, and Fred Hoiberg felt like he's contributing, he's playing, he's getting big minutes, we're going to put him on scholarship. That may not roll into next year. We don't know. We'll get to that when that happens at that point in time. But I'm with you. And and the play that sticks out to me the other night is when he got down and dirty and dug out a loose ball and rolled over and called a timeout to save the possession for Nebraska. Those are the kind of plays that endear him to the crowd. They react so much to Charlie when he's out there because they appreciate the effort and the the want to that he's putting into playing for this Nebraska team and certainly his minutes have been going up um, because of some issues in other spots on the team. Gervais Green didn't play the other night, and we'll hear more about that from Fred Hoiberg coming up in the top of hour number two. But that was the big news today for Nebraska basketball as they got ready to board the plane to go to Chicago to take on Northwestern tomorrow. The, the Cats, winless, Ben, right now in league play, but they've certainly been in games. They just haven't been able to get over the hump in the first four games.
3: They had a great game against Michigan State where they came came back, and I think they ended up only losing by five to, Spart, to Sparty. And then, uh, you know, just this week we had Armand Gates in here for his coach's show, and we were following along that game. And They, the they whole were game. winning the entire game against Indiana, and I think they won like a six-minute dry spell from the floor. And I think that day they were dealing with injuries and only had eight guys, eight scholarship guys available to them. So to do that shorthanded in Assembly Hall and um, – you know, it's really a, an inspiring effort. And you know, Coach Gates. It was interesting listening to Coach Gates in the in the commercial breaks talk about that team and what type of challenge they they had ahead of them. And and at, while he was saying that, that was happening. And you know, some familiarity obviously with with him in Northwestern. He has the scout of this game, so um, you know, studying up on an old friend and, and Coach Collins, where he, he was an assistant for years. And you know, you hope that you know he can find some some. Tendencies and some similarities to what they like to do when he was there, and makes things a little easier on the guys. They're zero four in the league.
0: Nebraska two and two, and yet Northwestern's favored. Does that
3: surprise you? No, they are the home team because it's the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I this league is crazy. It's it's really hard to predict what's going to happen every night. Uh, for those that are tired of hearing us say that, okay, I challenge you next week to look at the league schedule and make a prediction for every game and see what your record is at the end of it I, I mean you don 't even need to pick against the spreads, just pick who you think's going to win it's It's really difficult to do on a on a night to night basis and um yeah, so i'm not surprised at all it's been darn near impossible to win
0: as a road team in the first batch of games that we've had. Um, It's just just been really hard. Now, Rutgers did it, unfortunately, here a few weeks last Friday night against Nebraska, but it has been difficult. Maryland's trying to do that tonight, and they are up early 9-5. On Iowa, I'm checking the board, Uh, 14 2 to go in the first half. They're up by 4-9-5. Maryland probably was favored to win that game over the Hawkeyes, who again are playing without Bohannon in that backcourt for them. Mentioned that Sam McEwen's coming up here in a couple of minutes. He does cover women's basketball, 13-2. Amy Williams' squad after winning by 15 last night over Wisconsin. What a great start for them. And there's a little bit of buzz starting to be generated
3: by that team. Yeah, probably should be undefeated in Big Ten play yeah. right now with the loss to Michigan State. I think they were up by 10 in the second half in that one. A couple uh, horrible calls. We had Matt Coatney on yesterday just kind of talking about the confidence of the team, and uh, really the only thing on their mind was avenging that that tough loss they had against Wisconsin last year where they hit that game one oh. three with under a second to go uh, against the Huskers. So they definitely did that with some authority last night, and – A couple tough ones now on the road, but heck of a start by, by her team and her players, her bench. And, you know, you hope that that confidence can continue. And, you know, they keep making that push to be ranked. Huskers
0: off to a 3-1 and one start in league play at Rutgers Sunday at Maryland next Thursday night. So a couple of tough roadies coming up for Amy Williams' squad. That's what we are dealing with here on the program tonight. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of this. one 866 one eight six six one 866 We'll step aside, get a break in, come back, take some calls, and chat with Sam McEwen of the Omaha World-Herald. That's next. Welcome back. Friday night edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Time for us to check in with Sam McEwen, the Omaha World Herald. I've not talked to Sam here on Sports Nightly in some time. Sam, great to have you with us. Happy New Year. Hope your holiday season was a good one.
2: I did. I did. Uh, Happy New Year to you, too. You know, it's weird. The college football season isn't quite over yet. And so, like my new year kind of starts when that season ends, yeah. and it doesn't end till Monday. So, yeah, you know, I, I still feel like it still feels like 2019 until that game.
0: It does. Well, let's start there, then. How, how do you? What do you? How do you uh, size that one up on Monday? Who do you like?
2: Well, I, I like LSU. Um, I think uh, I think they've proven it all year. It, it's going to be a good game. I I do anticipate. Uh, I think it's going to be along the lines of. Ohio State, Clemson versus LSU, Oklahoma. So, I think it's going to be a good game. I think you know LSU's got great players uh, at a lot of positions, uh, including quarterback. And I think Joe Burrow's going to have a nice game. I think Clemson's going to score. I don't think LSU's just going to shut them down. But at the end of the day, I like LSU to step by seven to ten points. The, the,
0: the game between Clemson and Ohio State was incredible. Great classic. you had the, obviously the controversy, some of the, the calls. This was a year. it looked like we had just three really dominant teams, didn't it in college football?
2: Yeah, we did. And I think Ohio State in another year uh, kind of steamrolls the competition. I mean, they, you know if this had been a couple of years ago when Alabama won the national championship, Um, That's the year I voted UCF number one. I think Ohio State would have beaten all comers that year by a considerable margin. Um, But I think this particular season, Clemson's a very good team, and LSU, I think, is an all-timer too. Um, So this is one of those years where you feel like the fourth team getting in the playoff kind of had a raw deal because they were going to be playing somebody really, really good. And uh, I still think Ohio State should have been number one headed into the playoff. I don't think it should have been LSU. But uh, but that's the way it goes, and and uh, Ohio State had a great team. Best team I've seen Ohio State have since Nebraska's joined uh, the Big Ten, and that includes their national title team.
0: Yep, I'm with you on that. Well, um, we're all, we've all been dealing with some some tough weather here in the southeast part of the state today, so I guess yeah. for the nine young men who are coming to Lincoln to join the Husker football program, welcome to, to Midwest and Nebraska. That's, for some of those <laughs> yeah. Florida kids, it's got to be an eye-opener, I would think. <laughs>
2: Uh, one of them, uh, I think Henry Gray posted on Twitter, it's cold. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is cold in Nebraska in January. It's, uh, it's pretty darn cold. I'm guessing Turner Corcoran and Blaze Gunnerson kind of know what's up, and they'll be able to handle it. But um, it's, it's a really good class of, of early enrollees, um, guys who I think are probably going to be able to contribute right away, uh, a whole bunch of them. Um, The headliner of that group is probably somebody who won't play right away next year. And that's Logan Smothers. I I, I think he is a top notch football player and uh, is going to be going to make a big splash here one day. Don't, don't think it's going to be 2020, but I think um, I think Smothers has, has a huge ceiling and 20 years ago, This is no knock on Nebraska. He'd be playing at Alabama. Alabama has stopped recruiting in-state quarterbacks. They don't do that anymore. They go outside of the state to get their guys. Um, And so uh, the guy they got is a real nice player, but I think Smothers is going to end up being better than the guy they got. So I think Nebraska is going to be really pleased with him in a couple of years.
0: The, the the group do you think the how many do you think they'll add to this in November, in february and the, the the what had forever been the the real signing day now it's kind of a secondary Correct. one do you think they add two three more or, were, or are they done
2: i don't think they'll add uh very many more if they add anything it might be one or two guys um they still have uh, the player uh Togiai from from Idaho who's still going to make his decision um, unique situation there with him potentially going on a mission, but, um, so there's one uh, that you have to, you have to chew on. And I know they're going to bring in a receiver, another receiver. Uh, there might be a, you know, a linebacker out there, uh, that they might look at, um, but they also have room for a, a graduate transfer. Usually those don't, those don't clear until March, April, so if they want to keep a spot or two behind for one of those players, they can do it. Um, I think they're pretty much done. And they're probably going to add one or two more players, whether it's in, the, in February or, uh, you know, a junior college guy or something. But I think it's going to be a right fit kind of situation. They have recruited really well, um, especially over the last two years. And so they've set themselves up roster-wise, I think, pretty well. And, and they don't have to necessarily do as much. As they did when they got here. Everybody knows that when when this staff arrived, there was a lot of work to do. Um, in part because the recruiting classes prior to their arrival had been small, uh, and then of course there were departures. Um, but I feel like they've set the roster up pretty well now, to where they don't have to they don't have to do a whole bunch after that December signing did. I think there might be one or two additions, but for the most part, Nebraska has uh, put the hay in the barn.
0: Speaking of uh, of uh, losses, Javon DeWitt no longer a part of this coaching staff taking a job in North Carolina. One, were you surprised by that? And, and there's a lot of buzz out about Mike Dawson maybe coming back and being part of the staff. What do you think this thing ends?
2: I think that's legitimate buzz. Um, Mike Dawson was a valued member of the staff before he left. He left for reasons that were not related to Nebraska. I think he wanted to go to the NFL and – and uh, fulfill a pension requirement and maybe get back close to family. It uh, won't surprise me at all if, if he's back here. I know he's real close with the defensive coordinator, Eric Shenander. And Shenander has given some freedom to, to hire the defense the way the way he chooses, which I think is wise. Um, I don't think Ross has got an overly heavy hand there. Um, you know, Javon DeWitt was a great guy. I really, got, uh, really enjoyed getting to know him. There was a line in the story that indicated that uh, the, the weather here. Um, after his cancer treatment, um, what may, may have been was probably going to be something to deal with, uh, that he, had, he was still dealing with neuropathy in his, in his extremities, and, um, you know, it does get cold here in November and December, and so I wasn't real surprised um, to see that departure from him. Uh, I think, you know, North Carolina, is the weather's a lot better there, and he's reuniting with a defensive coordinator he had worked with at Army, and uh, he's going to work for Mac Brown. And I. everything I've ever heard about Mac Brown is he's a pretty good guy to work for. So um, it sounds like a good move for all parties. Um, I won't lie to say the special teams last year were good. They, they weren't. A lot of that was out of his control that the Barrett Pickering got hurt um, sort of in, 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 in fall camp. But, but you know, the, the, two, the two kickoff returns for touchdowns against Wisconsin and Iowa, uh, they really stunk. I mean they those are plays that if you take those plays out of those uh, out of those two games you may have a different result and so um, I do think that even if he had stayed there's going to be significant overhaul at that uh, at that phase there needs to be um, you know Nebraska is a program where I don't think you're going to get uh, Alabama or Clemson caliber talent and so your special teams need to a be really good and B they need to be really well coached because you're not going to get you know uh, four four and five star linebackers who are backups to four and five star linebackers that you can just put on special teams. You're going to have some good players on special teams but they really have to be coached up and so I think Nebraska has to get better in the in the special teams area.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It was interesting to see both Wisconsin and Iowa who did hurt Nebraska with those kickoff returns, did the same thing in their bowl games. They did it to both USC and then uh against Oregon they had kickoff returns for touchdowns with those same they did. guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike Dawson pro- isn't much of a special teams guy though, is he? I mean, how, do they divvy it up? Well, what do you think they do at that that phase?
2: Well, he did. He did coordinate special teams at Boston College. Did he? Okay. Um he did uh for I think one or two years. Um, that does not necessarily mean that that would be the way it falls here. Um, it's, it's, it's possible that, you know, they would look at a dedicated option for that. If there was another coaching, you know, position that opened, I think there's a lot of different things that they can potentially do. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Um, and then there's always the, you know, the head coach oversees it with, with key parts being, being, um, utilized by various assistants, um, there's a lot of different ways to go about that, and I'm sure Frost is, is sort of chewing through it. Um, good specialists and special teams are really important. For what it's worth, I don't know how good Nebraska specialists are right now. Um, Pickering, I guess we'll see if he's healthy. I think Chase Contreras, who's coming in from Iowa Western, is going to push him really hard. I think that's going to be a real battle. And then I don't know what's going to happen at punter. I know William Christop is is here. Uh, he's the presumed starter. Uh, I, I don't know that there's anybody who's going to, who's going to push him uh, on the roster right now, but I think he's got to get better um, because, you know, Isaac Armstrong was pretty good last year, but he wasn't great. And, and Pristap did not overtake him. So um, there's a lot of work to do there. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. Kick return hasn't been very good now yeah. for, for two seasons. Um, might want to think about J.D. Spielman back there. I don't know. It hasn't been good since J.D. was back there, Um so they may have to look at that. There's a lot of different things that have to be have to be fixed there. Um, you know, when Nebraska special teams was pretty good under Bo or under whoever, it was usually a pretty high level player of actor returning the kicks. It was Kenny Bell or it was Amir Abdullah or it was JD Spielman. I don't know if you can you can hand that role to, you know, a true freshman unless he's an, he's outstanding at it. Um, usually, you got to go with somebody who kind of knows it, and you, you you might risk an injury, but but you also might get a big play out of it, and that's what Iowa does. Amir Smith Marset is their number one receiver at Iowa, and he's their kickoff returner, and so they. They've made, I think, a wise decision there. Where at Wisconsin, Aaron Fritchink, who's now transferring, was not one of their top receivers. He was like the number six or seven receiver on the roster, and so he was more of a return specialist. But at Iowa, they used their number one receiver as their top kick returner, and I think that might be something Nebraska's got to explore.
0: Yeah, Sam McEwen's with us from the Omaha World Herald. You can also, again, read his work at Omaha.com. Covers Husker football and Husker women's basketball. How about that team,
2: thirteen and two? Did you did you see this coming? <laughs> You know, um, I thought they would be pretty good this year. I think Amy Williams has high expectations for them. Um, I think thirteen and two is maybe a little above where I thought they'd be, um, but I think if you asked Amy, she'd say we we thought we'd be fifteen and zero. And I'm not kidding. I think she, her her the, the her tenor of her coaching, and I think the intensity with which she's coaching and the message that she's giving the players, I think, is a little tougher this season than it, than it was last season. I think they everyone there felt like last season's team was better than its record. They kind of said, well, you know, there's some freshmen, so we're going to kind of let that be, but you know, then they went to, they did the overseas trip this summer. Um, I think they've been pretty locked in now for a while. And so I think her expectations are really high. I think the players expectations are high and they're playing pretty well. Um, and usually, you can tell a team is getting kind of locked in when the minutes start going down for the reserves, and you know they're they're going to get to the point where they're a seven or eight player rotation. Amy normally likes playing ten or eleven, but you can tell that they're starting to get a pretty firm chemistry with about eight players. Um, when they kind of get that all the way in, I think they're going to be pretty special this year, and they can beat a lot of teams. Um, they're not so good that they're going to they're going to knock a bunch of ranked teams out of the water. They can beat a lot of teams, and I think they've got a real chance of, at, at Rutgers, a team that that is very defensive-minded but can have a night where they shoot 20% from the floor. It happens to Rutgers. So I think Nebraska's got a real shot of winning that game up there. That'll be fun. Sunday.
0: Sam, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Be safe Thanks. out and traveling around here today. All right. Take care. Sam McEwen. Back with Hour 2 of our Friday night show here on Sports on. I hope you had a good week. Hope you're being safe out there if you're in the Lincoln or Omaha area. Driving around on some slippery roads. Be careful. We want you to be safe out there tonight. 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. The number if you want to dial us up with a comment or question. This hour, we're going to hear from Fred Hoiberg. He had a little press gaggle before he got on the plane to head to Evanston, Illinois, for tomorrow's Husker matchup with Northwestern. We'll hear some comments from the head coach coming up here in just a couple of minutes. And Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network will stop by as well. But the news of the day, and Tim had it there in the ticker Ben, was about Charlie Easley. He's kind of been the all the rage here in the last week or so for the Huskers.
3: Yeah, played sixteen good minutes against Iowa, uh, got a couple of steals and uh I feel like it's just a spark plug for this team. Gives the crowd energy at home when he's on the floor and hard work paying off um, as he was awarded a scholarship today and Obviously, at the media gathering, he was the topic of conversation with the reporters to head coach Fred Hoiberg. And coach was asked about Charlie's work ethic and what he brings to the table there.
4: Everybody roots for Charlie. I mean, he's, he's just one of those guys that comes to work every day. Um, you know, he shows up an hour before practice. He's shooting in a dark gym uh, before anybody else shows up. And, you know, just it's, it's easy to root for a guy like that that puts in the time it's fun anytime you can do something like that you know Charlie got a little emotional shoot I got a little emotional talking to him in there one-on-one and then uh telling the team and you could just see it you know he saw Charlie's hair was all over the place he had scratches on him I mean guys jumped him and um pretty exciting it's an exciting day for Charlie an exciting day for our program.
3: Doesn't really matter what sport you play Greg we're Darren Erstad say it all the time you know you approach a game and respect the game the right way and work hard it's going to reward you and here you go, With Charlie easily falling in that example as well.
0: Seen a couple of examples of him and the the uh, hustle, the ability to die for a loose ball the other night against Iowa. You go back to the box out he had on Harms against Purdue a month ago. Those
3: are the kind of plays that are going to endear him to Husker Nation. Yeah, no question about it. Well, what about when he's on the floor and what he does for his teammates? Here's head coach Fred Hoiberg.
4: Well, Charlie just you know he brings that energy and the hustle. Uh, you know, for a guy that scored one point in a game uh, to go out and have the type of impact that he had against Iowa, um, you know, says everything you need to know, he just, he can impact winning excuse me, without making shots and that's a great quality in a player Uh, you know, just a couple plays that stand out this year is when he got into um, Harms' legs on a block out against Purdue and drove him all the way back to the free throw line and you know, he just made, uh, you know, play after play, that Iowa game where he dove on the floor. Uh, it's allowed us to our arena, got all night and called the timeout and it was a huge possession that I thought gave us some momentum uh, at a critical time of the game. Uh, so just to see him out there, uh, you know, bonding with his teammates, uh, you know, playing out there early in the scout team and just how he's worked his way up, uh, it's been really fun to see.
3: That uh, that build for a walk-on can be can be really daunting, you know, from a scout team guy to, you know, figuring out, okay, am I going to be a part of the rotation? If I am, where am I going to help? And then maybe you you say you're in the rotation, you might play two minutes a night to go from that to, you know, having a role, you know, playing anywhere from five to 15 minutes. And then the next the thing is to, you know, become a part of the, the regular rotation and then the starting lineup. You know, there's a – it's a long climb for a walk-on to be able to find the floor in college, but he's been able to do it. Speaking of the walk-ons, he's not the only one that's working hard. Fred Hoyberg talked about uh, just the walk-ons as a whole.
4: Yeah, we, you know, we've been blessed to have three great walk-ons with not only Charlie, but with Jace Piekowski and Brett Porter, who are both redshirting this year. Uh, you know, those guys come to work every day. I, you know, I'm the father of a redshirt, sorry, of a of a walk-on at uh, Michigan State. I know how much time uh, they put into it without getting a lot of the glory uh, when you have success. Uh, you know those guys put as much or more time in than anybody else because they have to learn the other team's plays and they have to go out and execute it if they don't run it right the coach that's in charge of the scout uh, choose their ass so you know it's an important uh, position for those guys to go out there and you know they take pride in it as well to get these guys better and know their time uh, eventually will come uh, you know you got Delano and Derek uh, and Shamil uh, sitting out as well it's fun to see that team play those guys have done a really good job but Uh, You know, when this scholarship became available uh, with Samari's transfer, you know, it really was a no-brainer. You know, with Charlie, the way that he's gone out there and competed every day and uh, done everything that we've asked of him and made a big impact on this team.
3: Been a a solid effort from all of those guys all the way around. And, um, you know, Coach laid it out there pretty well about, you know, the other guys and, and the situation that ultimately you know gave Charlie the opportunity of earning a scholarship Samari leaving is you know a big reason why but um what else the scholarship
4: yeah yeah we yeah we did uh you know obviously you look around and see uh what happens at, at, at mid-year uh you know with, with a lot of things happening but you know I felt the best move for us was to give it to Charlie at this time and uh you know again he's team uh, not only in the community uh, you know being a hometown kid but uh, in that locker room as well and you know if you have a guy like that that again doesn't play uh, a ton of minutes hasn't played a ton of minutes and then he goes out and gets his opportunity and takes advantage of it uh, you know it's it's um, you know really was a no-brainer for 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 me.
0: You, know, you mentioned, Ben, that they looked around the country because there are guys that have announced they're leaving that semester, and you could have gone and gotten a guy and said, all right, you're on scholarship, you got to sit, obviously, but you could have gone on scholarship. And I, my guess is as, as active as I think Nebraska is going to be moving forward with Coach Hoiberg in that transfer portal, that transfer market, I'm sure they looked at a few things, but kept coming back to Charlie as the guy that's here now and helping us now, and let's let's
3: reward him. I think that's a good move. What about his energy and you know his day-to-day approach on things that that had to have been a factor as well? Coach talked a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, you just you hear the energy pick up in the building anytime he takes his warm-up off and, and goes to check-in at uh, at at the scorer's table. And you know he, he is he's he's a guy that uh, is going to go out there and like I said earlier, he's going to have an impact on the game whether he's making shots or not. And I do think it's just a matter of time before his shot starts falling. Uh, he's he's an excellent shooter and. Um, You know once he hits a couple you know i think he's going to be off and running
3: it's funny because you know walk-ons kind of have this stereotype he's just these quiet guys that sit on the end of the bench and you know they play their role on the scout team and that's that's not charlie like if you spend any time around the team at all he's making fun of his teammates he's joking around you know he's got kind of that that million dollar california kid smile but you know he's he that's what coach is talking about when he's just a a guy that that it's hard to be in a bad mood around him and I think that's infectious around the team and it's necessary especially when you're not winning all the time to have those those types of attitudes and that presence in the locker room. Sure is. And, and you know, Johnny Trueblood was a
0: b- little bit like that as well a year ago, the young man who was a walk on for Nebraska and gave Nebraska some spirited minutes late in the season, but you're right. When you're when you're not having success, game in and game out, you have to have the ability to lighten a little bit and it sounds like Charlie's able to do that.
3: What about recruiting Charlie Easley and, and trying to get here to come to Lincoln? Charlie talked about that today, and you know, saying that that Nebraska was always the destination. What did Fred Hoiberg
4: see? Yeah, he was he was coming off the ankle surgery. Uh, You know, I'd heard a lot about him just as far as winning the the state championship last year, uh, and doing it while injured. Um, You know, I talked to Coach uh, Spichka from Pius. My my boys uh, are playing there. We're very fortunate to be playing there and going to school there. And uh, I did talk to him about Charlie, and you know, he said the best his best basketball is definitely in front of him because he played on a, you know, really on one foot for a lot of that season last year with uh, with the spurs that he had in his ankle. Um, but you know the the thing about Charlie he wasn't supposed to come out and practice much early because he was still uh, going through his rehab Uh, but you could just see it he wanted to be out there he wanted to be uh, full go and um, you know once he was cleared uh, you know he hasn't missed a minute of practice since Uh, so yeah I didn't know a ton about him obviously you know you get pretty consumed in your own uh, line of work where I was but uh, you know when I got here and saw his work ethic I knew that he had a chance to be a very good player.
3: And it was a chance well taken uh, for Coach Hoiberg and I think Uh, Charlie's getting a lot out of it as well. Well, Greg, one guy in the rotation and one guy out. And so for as positive as a story as it's been about Charlie Easley, it's been the other side of the coin for one newcomer, and that being Gervais Green. Didn't play a single minute, wasn't in the rotation at all against Iowa. Coach Hoiberg talked a little bit about the situation surrounding Gervais.
4: Uh, he's been good. He had good practice yesterday. Had a good practice again today. Uh, had good energy in practice today. Uh, you know, and that's what it's all about right now. Just continuing to you know try and stay as positive as possible through a tough time. And uh, you know, if your name is called, to go out there and, and you know make the most of it.
3: That being said, what does he need to do to get back in the rotation for the Huskers?
4: Well, it's just you know going out there, and it's it's a long season. We have sixteen regular season games left are all going to be extremely difficult games and uh, you know just go out there and keep working that's what you have to do Um, you know believe me I was a guy that was in and out of a lot of rotations more out than in uh, to be honest with you but uh, you know it's just always preparing yourself and being ready and you know that's what we're going to continue to stress.
0: Just something kind of not right with Gervais right now and and Nebraska's been honestly Ben they've been better when he's not been out there you go back to the Indiana and Purdue matchups in December when he was suspended Nebraska nearly won both those games they they clocked Purdue and took Indiana to OT he comes back and plays the three games in between Nebraska goes one and goes two and one and two in those three he's out the other day against Iowa and Nebraska wins I to me this I don't know I just don't know what kind of future for Gervais in this program and Coach Hoiberg was pretty careful with his words there and saying, well, this just a long way to go and all that type of thing. It's just something that is
3: not quite right with Jervé Green right now. And I don't want to be the one that sit here and say, well, I knew this was going to happen, but you were, I remember going to Italy and, and on the flight over there thinking a lot of these kids thinking they're going to be the man. Yeah. And, and you think about you know where a lot of these guys came from and their backgrounds, and they were the man. A lot of them were either the man in junior college if you're Cam Mack or in high school if you're a freshman. You know Ivan, wherever he was from, there's no doubt he was the biggest and best where he was from. And Gervais out in western Nebraska, where he was filling it up for fifty a night. You know, all these guys came in here and expected to be the guy that's going to score thirty and um, you know be the go-to guy on on a a game-winning shot. Well, not everybody could be the man. And I I remember watching those games in Italy, thinking, okay, how is this going to play out on the floor? Who's going to be the one taking the shots? Who are the ones that are going to get their feelings hurt? That maybe they're not the guy, and and it, and it seems like Gervais having a hard time finding his role within this team, um, you know, finding where he fits and where he can be an asset to the team. And you know, I don't want to sit here and spend the whole segment bashing Gervais. That that can be a hard thing, sure, and, and that can be a hard thing to find your niche and to and to find where you fit the team. And sometimes guys never realize what their role is before the time's too late. And, you know, you hope that's the case for Gervais. You hope that he can use this as a learning experience and come back and, you know, just find out where he can help the team. And uh, he's been through a lot in his life. He's been through uh, a coaching change at Nebraska. It's just recruitment to get here was, was a story on all its own. Um, so there's a lot going on with him personally that is making this – transition probably a little more difficult but you know as coach said it's a long season hopefully he can find his footing someplace sometime before this season is too too far gone northwestern the next opponent chris collins from that duke tree played there uh, obviously a lot of basketball knowledge there what makes northwestern so difficult to prepare for
4: well, I've been really impressed with the Northwestern even. Foreign league, they had a 10-point lead with under 10 minutes to go at Indiana. They lost to Michigan State, who's, who's got it absolutely rolling right now by, by only five. Um, you know, they played uh, on the road at Minnesota, uh, tough, and I thought they really battled at Purdue. So, you know, it's a, it's a team that you know has gone out there. They're, they're a very high IQ team. Uh, They can shoot it across the board. They'll play multiple defenses, uh, and it's a road game after being at home uh, for a pretty extended period. So, you know, we have to shift our mentality, uh, you know, to go out with that uh, togetherness and, you know, hopefully keeping our chemistry uh, at a high level. You're going to have to have it if if you have a chance to win on the road.
0: Everybody's played four conference games. Nebraska had three of the first four at home. Northwestern's had three of the first four on the road. And Nebraska, this is their first road trip in, since the Indiana game. So you got to go back to December 13th, and Nebraska's been on the road. So you got to flip it here, and you know Northwestern's like, all right, now the schedule's going to flip our way. we got to protect home court, get us some wins, and get moving up the standings a little bit. So don't sleep on the fact that you're going, okay, we're 2-2. Two and two. They're on 4. We're good.
3: You can't do that. You just can't do that because what everybody's played so far. If you talk to any of the assistant coaches of the players, they'll tell you that one of the things that Coach Hoyberg preaches the most in practice and just every day is you can't be in too high, you can't be too low. Yeah. you got to stay consistent because in a long season, there's going to be good and bad things that happen. Um, the not getting too low part, putting tough losses behind him, Coach addressed that today as well.
4: Yeah, well, you know, the last time we had a, a good win, uh, you know, we came out and didn't have a very good performance in the next time out. So, you know, it's, it's important in this business to anytime you have a you know, a tough loss. You got to put it behind you, and we've done that. We did that, especially against Indiana, to bounce back on the short prep and, and have a great game against Purdue. Uh, same thing holds true when you have a big emotional win, uh, like we had the other night. You have to find a way uh, to enjoy it and then put it behind you quickly because another one's coming uh, very soon. And, and you know, we have to uh, come out with great intensity, great energy, because I know Northwestern will uh, tomorrow night.
3: That's the thing. I mean, they they always play hard in any sport. That's one thing you can expect from from the Cats. Is they're going to come out and. Take it to you as much as I can.
0: Yeah. Interesting guy. They've got the uh, young man who was a lacrosse player. Yeah. Playing, and he's playing really well for them. He's a pretty good basketball player. Yeah. One of the best, if not the best lacrosse recruit we, in the country. No doubt. Uh, so it'll be an interesting game tomorrow. You just hope Nebraska brings the effort. You and I talked about it before the Iowa game on Tuesday night that. Last Friday against Rutgers, there were, there were stretches I did not like Nebraska's effort. I thought it was not where it needed to be to compete and win at the Big Ten level. It was really good against Iowa the other night. The guys just have to figure out that they have to do that game after game if you want to give yourself a chance to win in the conference. All right, 3.30 tomorrow, tip time. Ian Evanston, 2.30 for pregame coverage with Kemp Pavelka. And Jake Muehlheisen on the call for that. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-537. One of you has some thoughts about Husker basketball. Love to get your take about what you saw the other night against Iowa, what you expect to see tomorrow against Northwestern. We'll take some calls, and we'll check in with Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network. That's coming up next. We're rolling right along on a Friday night. Sports highlight here on the Husker Sports Network. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. You've made it to another weekend. How about that? Already January 10th. We're a third of the way through the month of January. Crazy, crazy stuff. One weekend of the National Football League playoffs behind us. Two terrific games. Two overtime games last week and four more headed your way this weekend. And
3: here's Ian. Huh? Yeah, better to talk about it than Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network joins us each and every Friday night. Ian Leboy. Last weekend was a great start to the playoffs. It's finally here, and it, and it lived up to the hype. Let's hope the rest of the playoffs lived out like they did last week. We had a great group of games.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I feel like it was the best wild card weekend that, uh, well, I don't know, I guess that I can remember. I mean, every game was engaging. The only one that kind of wasn't was the last one, thanks in part to Carson Wentz's injury. But, um, I mean, there was an upset. The Vikings jumped out there. Furious comeback by the Houston Texans, and you know I'm. I feel like this is one of the best weekends just in sports of the whole year. Like I, I can't wait, and I love it. I'm looking forward to it, and um I literally have no idea who's going to win. I mean, you talk about the Vikings; they go out to San Fran. I mean, they are a good team. They beat the Saints in their house. uh I think they got a real shot. I mean, there's. There's going to be a lot of uh, going to be a lot of fun things we're going to see on the field this weekend.
3: Let's just start there with with Minnesota. How much do you think they're going to recall? I've got a few Vikings uh, friends that are fans of the Vikings, and you know a lot of them keep bringing up that, that Minneapolis miracle with the Saints, and then the letdown they had against Philly. Do you feel like that that's ringing in some of those veterans' minds that that performance they had against Philly <laughs> following that game, and, and maybe a little more prepared this time around?
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely an effort from, from Mike Zimmer and from the veterans to kind of, you know, remind everyone just how essential it is to come back down to earth. And, you you know, you can't get in the brains of these players, but when you start talking about it and you make sure it's an issue and you make sure that um, they know how focused they need to be, what their eyes need to be on, and, and just to just to not get too happy. I mean, that, you know, the hope is that can really affect things, but – Um, I'm sure they thought the same thing last time and couldn't do it. I mean, getting back, refocusing, flying across the country, I mean, that is uh, there's a lot kind of like going against the Vikings here. I think they're good enough to overcome it, but it might not be easy.
3: San Francisco hasn't been in this position in a long time. How have they kind of embraced – Uh, in their camp in the last week to two weeks, having the week off and everyone saying, you know, they got a good shot to make the Super Bowl. A lot of these players have never been in this situation before. Um, You know, Garoppolo was around New England, but, you know, it's his show now. How how has that reigned in on their camp?
1: Yeah, it's definitely different for the 49ers. Remember, they've been, you know, struggling for, um, you know, a while. I mean, it's been a really long time. They were a mess of a franchise for a while. And, you know, they kind of did what I think a lot of people were trying to do is they got a good GM, they got a head coach, they paired them together, they work together, there's a lot of synergy, and they slowly built a team. And, and now, you know, I think from the 49ers' perspective, it's really just, um, you know, kind of getting poised and ready for this because nobody there is kind of like, this is our year, it needs to be this. I think they're getting ready for a long run of being pretty good. they got a young quarterback, they got a young defense, um, they have a system that we know has worked, and they haven't lost a ton of coaches and probably won't. Um, you know, so I, I really think um, the 40, you know, it's a big game for the 49ers here, but I don't think this is the last chance we are going to get. I'll say that.
3: The second game tomorrow, the Titans and the Ravens. Man, you couldn't have two ends of the spectrum. Everyone's talking about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and how good they are, and you know they're they're probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now with that 14 and two regular season record. The Titans, on the other hand, are the team that nobody's talking about, and maybe a little more so now that they just went in and beat New England. But you know they're just kind of that under the radar team. I think Tannehill throws for under 100 yards last week. They give the ball to the workhorse Derrick Henry. Uh, what what type of chip on their shoulder does Tennessee have right now after after beating New England and then of course having to go to Baltimore?
1: Well, that's the other thing, though. I mean, similar to them, I mean, they they took down the Patriots. Similar to the Vikings, they got to get refocused now too. And you know, I, I know that Mike Vrabel is sort of from the New England school and will bring them back down to earth very very quickly. I imagine that, um, and we'll you know implore them that nothing that you did in the past matters. But that's tough to come down from. That. I mean. They send Tom Brady packing and you know now and they look, they're a really physical team. I like the way they play football. They come at you a bunch of different ways. They're tough. Kano's probably playing as well as anyone. Um, you know, that said, I mean, they they play a team that is as physical. Um, that really is gonna be a fun game to watch. There could be, you know, fifty rushing attempts in that game or sixty combined, I think that's gonna be pretty cool.
3: Do you think Tennessee can slow down Lamar Jackson? Do they have the parts to make this a game?
1: I don't know the answer to that. You know, I mean, I think they could theoretically do it. They have a good defensive coordinator in Dean Pease. I'm actually really curious, what does, you know, Dean Pease comes from the Bill Belichick School of Defense, so they, they will sort of make you play left handed, and take away what you do best and all that. So what does Dean Pease think the Ravens do best? That's what's going to kind of be really be interesting. Like, what does he try to take away? Because, you know, if you know, let's say they say, "All right, we're going to take away Mark Ingram." When well, they can do that, it leaves other things. Do they decide to spy Omar Jackson? Do they decide that, you know, him running is probably more hurtful than anything else? Like, what do they actually spotlight and try to stop? I think that's going to be just kind of the game inside the game. That's going to be interesting to see how they attack it.
3: Moving to Sunday, Houston uh, gets a a magician act from Deshaun Watson and an unbelievable play, one we're going to be talking about for a long time to get the Texans the overtime victory against the Bills. That was a really, really fun football game to watch. They go into Arrowhead. I mean, Deshaun Watson just got that winner uh, mentality about him, that characteristic. I think this, you know, Chiefs should be on upset alert. I, I say that because I'm a Chiefs fan, but also I watched the game last week. Houston's kind of playing with some attitude right now. What do you expect when, when these two teams tow it up on, on Sunday at 2 o'clock?
1: Houston is playing with some attitude, you know, and, like, Deshaun Watson is great, but that was a fascinating thing to watch, I think, the other day because, you know, they were done. Houston was done. And, you know, everyone in the media, I mean, me included, so I can't say anything, kind of makes uh, kind of makes sure you know makes fun of JJ Watt for being in front of the camera all the time literally all the time he you know kick-started that thing for the Texans and you know now I think they go into a game I think they wanted this game I think mean, this is the one they were looking for they're looking for the Chiefs um, it's you know it could be it could be big play after big play after big play um, up and down the field two you know the brightest young stars at quarterback I mean that there could be a lot of legitimate fireworks there, and I guess it's really going to be who makes the other quarterback uncomfortable, more uncomfortable. You know, how is the pass rusher like? Who makes him uncomfortable? But. Um, This could be a playmaking show on the field this weekend.
3: Yeah, let's hope the weather cooperates in Kansas City so both teams could operate at full strength. And then, Ian, we wrap it up in Green Bay with the Seahawks and the Packers. I think Green Bay uh, probably, if if not the Chiefs, probably the team that's on upset alert the most. You know, Seattle with Russell Wilson in the playoffs. They had an ugly win against Philly. How do you see this one going down with, uh, again, a great quarterback matchup, a bit of the veteran variety with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson?
1: Well, you know the Seahawks are really not—they're not the team they've been. They're in you know, a low seed. They have so many injuries at the running back position. I mean, they just—they're not—they're the, a show of themselves. And because of who they are, because they have Russell Wilson, I really think everyone's given them a—you a, know—really good chance to win. Meanwhile, the Packers are healthy, 13 and three, at home. And I don't understand why everyone's not kind of like taking the Packers. I don't know. Maybe I must be missing something, but it does really seem like everyone is kind of overlooking the, the Packers now. I mean, they are a legitimate good team. They can attack you on the ground just like the Seahawks can. I got Aaron Rodgers, who's pretty good. Um, you know, I I would, to me, it feels like it's going to be a Packers win. Obviously, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, that's I, I, it feels like everyone's overlooking the Packers, and I'm not sure why.
3: Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network with us here on Sports Nightly. Ian, you put out a tweet a while ago uh, re- regarding the Cleveland Browns head coaching surge. Kind of feel like they're coming to a close with Josh McDaniels interviewing for the job. What's the latest yeah. there, and where do you think the move is?
1: Well, we'll see if they get something done You know, today. Um, I think he's, he's been in the building all day. He brought his wife on the trip. He wants the job. He's been a favorite there in the past, and I know they were really interested. It is his hometown job, and, you know, we'd have to get some things right, obviously. Um, But there is definitely a chance this happens, I will say that. And, um, you know, it's really – it would be amazing if after all this, turning down several jobs, almost getting one, and then backing out at the last minute, if he ended up back home – with the Cleveland Browns, coaching Baker Mayfield, who we really loved in the draft. I mean, it would be an incredible story, and you know, there's a chance that we get the culmination of it today. If not today, then potentially this weekend as well.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what direction they go and if they can pull Cleveland back off the deck. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network with us again on a Friday night. Ian, we appreciate it, man. Hopefully we, uh, we have another good weekend of football like we did last. Enjoy the games. Thanks, man.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. Cannot wait.
3: Yeah, me neither. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network and NFL.com with us on Sports Nightly. Tomorrow, 3.30, get started. There we go. Vikings and 49ers for that
0: one. Ian, join us on our Sports Nightly hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Of the hires that have been made to this point, which one do you like the most? mccarthy to dallas rural to carolina judge to the giants uh riviera rivera to the skins that might be my favorites
3: ron rivera to the skins yeah i mean he's probably the most proven i think mike mccarthy is certainly a risk i know people in green bay were really tired of him um rule to carolina is interesting they got an interesting roster makeup i think they're uh, a couple of years away from filling a roster that's competitive, but you take over a roster with Christian McCaffrey and some good parts on defense, that's that's a good place to start. I, and, and, and college coaches that make that jump, that transition, are always interesting.
0: Bill O'Brien has been okay in Houston. A guy that's in the playoffs when Pete he left. Pete Carroll was kind of the yeah. ringleader in that. Right, sure was. So Cleveland's the only open job right now in the National Football League. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised there weren't more openings. I thought we'd see a little bit more movement. Welcome back, Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Tomorrow, the FCS National Championship will be contested down in Frisco, Texas. And it's kind of what we thought would happen over the summer. North Dakota State and James Madison and our old friend Jeff Colhane, the former voice of this show, is uh, now with North Dakota State ready to call that game. Frisco, Texas, kind of a second home for you, right, for the last couple years?
5: Yeah, Sharpie, great to be back on with you. It's it's turned into Fargo South here (laughs) in Frisco, Texas, and it's truly a a fun weekend. It really is. It's a great time, and and, uh, uh, Bison fans just flock down here. We had great shows earlier today, and uh, packed a sports bar here in Frisco, which is about 20-25 minutes north of Dallas, downtown Dallas. So, Having a blast, and like we talked about when we were uh, on—I think the last time this past uh, summer—NDSU, JMU, the two best teams in our division going head to head.
0: Do they uh, do they make you pay taxes in Frisco as much as you're there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's there's some property
5: tax. I think here outside (laughs) Toyota Stadium, we gotta figure out we're gonna settle up with the Southland Conference for uh, here shortly. But uh, no, it's been—I'll tell you. Uh, The way that the game has developed since 2011, uh, the stadium has gone through a renovation. The area around here has really developed as far as um, uh, businesses, population base, et cetera. it's, It's boomed. And so it's been fun to grow and watch the program for NDSU grow, the success the Bison have had, along with the area here in North Texas and how it's expanded during this time as well.
0: Jeff, how, how are they doing this? I mean, it, it doesn't seem to matter who the coach is, whether it's Craig Bull or, or Coach Kleiman or now Coach Enns. It just it continues to roll along for the Bison. What's the secret?
5: Man, I'll tell you, Greg, I, I think it's, it's the identification of uh, student athletes, high school football players, talented football players, obviously, but also the right kind of players that fit the system of NDSU. And I just think, you know, for whatever reason, I I don't have the answer. But uh, to me, these coaches throughout this decade, and started by Craig Bowl, of course, they just know the types of guys they want to bring in. They are uncanny at identifying them. And then I think a big reason behind the scenes is the work of our head strength coach, Jim Kramer and what he has done in the offseason in um, and, and developing all these guys. They develop offensive linemen the way they want them to, to, to grow and, 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 and get big and physical in the weight room. And it certainly helps that at the quarterback position this decade, North Dakota State has had four guys. And Brock Jensen started this runoff, uh, a young man from the state of Wisconsin. Uh, he was the all-time leader in uh, wins as a quarterback in the FCS Then some guy named Carson Wentz rolled in the door, and uh, he did pretty well over two seasons. And then another young man from Omaha, Creighton Prep, Easton Stick, came to NDSU, and he took it to another level. He became the all-time winningest quarterback in the history of the FCS. And now we have a young man by the name of Trey Lance a Marshall, Minnesota who might be the most talented college quarterback of the four, if that makes any sense. And he is off to an unbelievable start in his redshirt freshman season of his career. So I think it's a little mix of that. And obviously the the belief that this team is going to win no matter who they play each and every Saturday, each and every week.
0: Again, visiting with Jeff Colhane, the former host of Sports On It, with us here at the Husker Sports Network, but now into year four at NDSU. My goodness, how that has flown by. And this is your third national title game call, right?
5: Yes, yeah, correct. Number three and third in a row. Uh, my first year here, uh, it was James Madison in 2016 that beat North Dakota State in the semifinals up in the Fargo Dome, which... It was sort of like you almost had a better chance of finding the unicorn somewhere out there (laughs) than coming to Fargo to beat NDSU in a playoff game there. So uh, that's that's where this postseason series has begun. It's turned into a little bit of a budding rivalry between the two programs with the win by JMU in 16, and then NDSU returned the favor here in 2017, ending James Madison's 26-game winning streak. Uh, And the Bison, of course, now face JMU again. So third straight year, the Bison have been here in eight of the last nine years as well at the national championship.
0: You know, we got the the, uh, FBS championship is Monday with with Clemson and LSU. And I know a lot of people thought LSU wouldn't be there. A lot of people thought Clemson would. But, and we mentioned this off the top, it it looked like from July on, it was going to be this matchup, right, for FCS. It was going to be JMU against NDSU. Uh, Give me some particulars about the game how is this thing going to flip how do you think this thing goes
5: well and you know as much as we believe these two programs were the teams that were going to be here both came into the year with some questions you know North Dakota State came in new quarterback 24 seniors gone new head coach and coaching staff led by Matt Entz James Madison needed to have some questions answered at quarterback themselves with Ben DiNucci who you know, was was the the starter a year ago a pit transfer, but he had a bad case of the turnover bug in games they lo- they lost, throwing five interceptions versus Colgate in a second round playoff game to end their season. Uh, he has returned. He has answered those questions. He's only thrown five picks all this season, and uh, two first year head coaches in this game with Matt Entz and Kurt Signetti for uh, for James Madison, but. You know, it's a game, Greg, where both teams do a lot of the same things really, really well. They both like to run the football. They both do a great job of stopping the run. Uh, I think early, the line of scrimmage, as it always is in tight games, will be interesting to watch. Who can get some uh, disruption, some displacement, as the the big boys call it, uh, down in the trenches. Who is able to make uh, some things happen early in that game. And for the team that struggles to run the football the most, which of these two quarterbacks is going to make the big throw or the big decision and right play at the biggest moment in this contest, I think is going to be a big part of it, uh, especially as we move along throughout the entire day. So, you know, it's, it's two teams that run the football well, that stopped the run that have gotten turnovers throughout the entire year. Uh, and special teams have been a key for both uh, as well as both JMU and NDSU have some, some solid special teams, guys, and returners in this contest. But expecting, I think, a, a pretty similar game to two years ago in 2017. Vegas thinks this game is a coin flip, and uh, I, I think we'd be shocked if we saw something uh, different than that coming up Saturday. All
0: right. Ben told us it's at 11 on ABC tomorrow earlier in the hour. I know you were glad to get out of, out of Fargo, which is under about a foot of snow right now, but you were you're telling me before we hit air here off air that uh, your weather's not the best tomorrow. You don't have snow to deal with, but you've got some cold air.
5: Yeah, sadly, I think we've brought some of the cold with us down here. Usually we're, we're somewhere between 50 and, and 65 degrees and love to have a little sunshine, but we have not seen the sun since we've been down here. It's been overcast, uh, rainy uh, here today as we talk. It's overcast skies, windy and rainy. It's warm today, but it's 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 definitely rainy and certainly not the best of conditions. Tomorrow it's going to be cold for Dallas standards. Uh at kick time, as of right now, the way it looks, you're looking at a, a kickoff uh, temperature of around 37, 38 degrees and 15 to 25 mile an hour wind. So uh, the conditions, the wind, could that affect the passing game? Certainly could affect the kicking game. Who handles it the best? You know, it, it certainly could be a talking point in this one.
0: All right. Well, have a great call. I know you will. Enjoy yourself and we'll, uh, we'll be uh, tracking that one during the day tomorrow. And I'm sure you're hoping for a quick game so you can go get somewhere and watch your Vikings play later in the day. Oh,
5: you know me, Sharpie. I'm scouting it out. We're hopefully done off the air around quarter to three, three o'clock. Give me a little time to find a, find a place before we head home and and, uh, and watch, uh, hopefully, a, a Skull Vikings win over the 49ers in the, in the divisional round. That would be a great day for me, I'll tell you that.
0: There he is, Jeff Colhane, voice of the Bison. They're going after another national title tomorrow. Welcome back. Final segment of the night. Final segment of the week of Sports Highly. Again, Husker basketball. Men tomorrow, women on Sunday. Right that's that's the plan and you're going to be watching a lot of national football league playoffs
3: i will be i'm gonna so i'm going to my buddies tomorrow for the uh, vikings game they play the same time as the men so i'm gonna have to bring my laptop so i can watch watch, watch both yeah there you go you, you'll figure a way to do yeah. that all right time for winners and losers lead us off all right my winner speaking of husker basketball charlie Easley is my winner put on scholarship today um charlie's just a tremendous dude just a fun guy to be around he's <laughs> kind of, kind of got a little jokester to him, um, and and obviously he's been playing his butt off for the Huskers, and played 16 minutes the other night in a winning effort. Had a, a very energized Benny, Benny Parker type play against Iowa, diving on the floor and calling it for a timeout and saving a possession and uh, rewarded with a scholarship today. So very happy for Charlie. Fan, the fans really react oh, to yeah. him, don't they? You know, Any time a walk-on gets in the game, they go nuts yeah. as it is. But, yeah, when he has an impact, for sure. And, and I told you in Italy. I, uh, He's going to help us. This, kid's, yeah. this kid can play a little bit. Uh, my loser, I'm going to the media member of the Minnesota Vikings that uh, asked for Kyle Rudolph's gloves uh, following the game-winning catch in overtime against the Saints. He said – uh to kyle that he was gonna you know donate them to charity in an auction and uh kyle said awesome i'll gladly sign them for you signed them for the gloves and sold them for 375 dollars on ebay on ebay yeah and so that guy is definitely my loser now, of the week did they confirm that he was a media member or somebody just snuck in there and did that i because I, I, I saw part of the story earlier all, in week. all kyle rudolph said was, as a media yeah. member so he was given a credential sure. whoever he was but but my whole thing on it is a, for a playoff game on a, on the road for a visiting team they don't just hand those things out. No. So I'm convinced that it's it's a media member of some kind. But to turn a loser into a winner, it has to turn the guy who bought the gloves got a hold a on eBay got a hold of Kyle and said, hey, I was the one that purchased the gloves. I'll be glad. I'm glad to you know, give these two a good cause. And so he's actually going to.
0: Oh, so something good's going to yeah, come so out he, of this. Yeah, so they're going
3: to donate the money to a, a hospital in, in Minnesota, and and Kyle Rudolph's going to hook him up with some something nice. for the next game. So it was a bad story turned good. But, yeah, loser big time for the dude Huge, that did that. huge win for the Vikings. Huge
6: yeah. to go do that. Huge. All right, Austin, what do you got? All right, my loser of the week is cheaters, specifically two of them on the East Coast, Bill Belichick and Roy Williams. The Patriots <laughs> oh. lose to the Titans last oh. Saturday. So Belichick then complains about his former protege, Mike Bra- Vrabel, using the delay of game tactic that Belichick himself used against the Jets earlier this year. So karma coming back to <laughs> bite the Patriots in the butt there, first time without the Pats in the divisional round in a you, long time. You
0: are smiling as you're doing this little thing right here. I am. I can hear I, it in
6: your voice. <laughs> <laughs> my smile only gets bigger because Roy Williams is there too. North Carolina's eight 8-7. He called this team the least talented he's had in his time in Chapel Hill. And the tweet came out today that said the player said he's been the most positive one at practice.
3: Oh, boy. (laughs) Wow. I think it's so funny, Belichick. You know, did did you see the handshake that he had with Vrabel? I mean, you got a former player that's helped you win so many games in your career, and you're such a little bitter crybaby (laughs) after the game. You can barely even stand to look at him in the eye uh, and shake his hand and congratulate him for a playoff win. Bill Belichick can go away. Austin is a, a known loser.
0: Duke fan too, so that's where the Roy Williams
3: yeah. hate comes
0: from, right? Absolutely, from a deep place in my heart. So, <laughs> all right, my winner is Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if you guys caught this story, but he he's has hooked up with a charity that they give they give away cars to people of need, and he uh, he gifted a car to a single mom whose daughter is playing Division One basketball, but she can't get to many games because her car doesn't work. So she got a 2017 Mazda CXS X3.
3: You know, you hear so many bad stories about athletes. It's good to do something like or awesome. something like that. Yeah, no question. And, and, and you know, athletes this time of year, you know, just doing it over the over the holidays, doing all kinds of good things for charities. It's it's really really good. Yeah, good stuff. And the loser of the week, Ben.
0: All music lovers, with the passing of Neil Peart, I think the best drummer
3: to ever live. He was the drummer for the band Rush. Um, Passed away at the age of 67. Love me some Holy Trinity. Uh, You know, with that happening, I'm definitely going to be listening to Rush all the way back to Omaha. Um, One of my favorite bands. They're so good. Just all you have, if you never even heard him play, just look at his drum set that he plays on. And you know that dude. That knows how to bang some stuff around. Oh, my gosh. It's just phenomenal. I remember the first time I heard him, I freaked out. I go, that's no
0: way. That was real. I had to go find some video to see that it was real. It was. He was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, lost a good one today. Sure did. All right, that's going to put a wrap on tonight's show. Be safe out there, everybody. I know we've had some tough weather, particularly in the southeast part of the state during the day today. So if you're listening to Rush after the show, don't be speeding. You're going to be taking a little easy on the highways and byways. Enjoy the weekend. We're back with a full show with you on Monday night, and we'll be doing a little commentary as we do the show on the National Championship game, which will be going on as well between Clemson and LSU. Can't wait for that. All right, that'll put a wrap on the show. Thanks to Ben, to Austin, to Josh, and all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Have a great weekend. We'll join you again on Monday.